Um, going to record this while it's still fresh in my brain, and I'm still in a malaise, uh, a shell shock situation. I'm turning the volume down just in case I fucking yell a little bit. All right, I'm, I don't know why I'm hugging this fucking mic. It's dangerous for all y'all eardrums right now. What's the final score? 114-122. So the Philadelphia 76 is an elimination series against a team they beat the shot of in three previous games. Um, so we're going to do this in a takeaway format. Just what, <laughs> just what I saw at the fucking game. And I'm just going to like section. I'm not section good or bad. Just section what I saw. So first off, it's going to get forgotten about because the free throws are in a massive discrepancy. But the foul, the, the, not the foul, the officiating in this game was fucking terrible. Like on, on every level, a lot of the things I saw weren't even like playoff fouls. Danny Green, I think is boxing out uh, Gafford. I think it's a one point game. A 94 95, something like that. Bossing out Gafford, not even hooking him, just like under him, like, you know, putting a, a butt under somebody. Maybe you could say, like, if he jumps up and then it's like, you know, taking his space away, but whatever. He didn't jump up at that moment. Like, under him, basically, behind him, out of like, out of position for the rebound. And then they call a foul on the floor. They were in the bonus, so it was two shots. Absolute nonsense, but I think Gafford drained. I think he drained both. I don't remember particularly. I think he drained both, though. Um, the, the the points is not even what matter. It's just officiating. Like, uh, fucking Green gets a reach around still on Westbrook. They have to go. They have to do a challenge. And the, this is the shittiest thing with the NBA. On any, any other fucking league in the world, if you complete a challenge, then you get to retain your challenge. But in the NBA, for some fucking ungodly reason, and it was a very... Because it's like at least, I would say, four calls you could reasonably have challenged down I would say like from third mid quarter to, to on but this fucking stupid ass rule with this stupid ass fucking you know that fucking tube socks one from like Hanes from Walmart this for fucking Adam Silver was like a fucking tube socks from Hanes this Hanes tube sock fucking Adam oh god Adam fucking Silver Adam Silver for some ungodly reason doesn't have these challenges so I think Doc did a good job of saving as long as he could. There were multiple ones where I thought, oh, well, he could challenge. I think that was a good one to challenge on. I don't remember if there's any points that led off of that foul. Actually, I, he caught it before it was allowed to go to the stripe. So the point being, it would have just went to the stripe. Westbrook may have made his free throws, but it was a good call. He got overturned, and then he had no challenge. So he couldn't use that challenge going forward, obviously. Um which would have helped him in that situation, Afferman situation with Gafford. Um, so yeah, the fishing was, I'm not going to harp on that too bad because that's not, I think entirely why they lost, but it was just so fucking egregious. And I, it's sad to me that it won't get like brought back up after today because of how bad some of the other aspects of this game were. Um, depending on what side you were on. If you're a neutral viewer, it's just a fucking, I call it a Greek tragedy. Some other fellas call it a fucking like Shakespearean comedy. Either way, just fucking ugly. An ugly game. Uh, second, the hack a quote unquote, whoever you want to say, hack a player returned. I haven't seen this strategy since I think Scott Brooks like four years ago. The the uh, Philly broadcasting mentioned that Scott Brooks was doing it to rookie Simmons back in 2017. 
I wouldn't doubt that. Uh, Scott Brooks is just a piece of shit. Like, the only person who still does this. Um, I thought the NBA adjusted to it, but I think it's, like, under two minutes now. You you can't do it or some shit like that, even though they were still doing it for quite a while. I'm not... I'm not... I, don't, I, don't, I forgot exactly what they changed it to, but for whatever reason, it didn't. It killed... Well, if I was being completely... If you can tell, I'm I'm Sim, uh, Sim, not Simmons fan, but Sisters fan. If I was being completely unbiased, I would still say to kill the flow of the game because you have like this comeback between you know the the George Hills and the the, the uh, Forkon, Furkin, Furkin, Corkmaz, and um, and Tyrese Matsey, and you have this comeback coming, and it's like it's like like high level shots being made. And then, like, a very timid Wizards team. And you bail them out. And it wasn't just efficient that bailed them out. Doc Rivers also bailed them out. And I'll talk about that in a second. But you ha- you bail them out by allowing that to occur. Like, it just happens right... Pretty much the second that Simmons touched the court. I think it was Simmons got on the court. Um, Seth got off a couple of made buckets. And then the Wizards came down and got one. I think it was, like, a three-point some shit like that. And before, pretty much as soon as they inbounded, it was a foul with Simmons. And that's pretty much how every possession went on after that point. I can't, I can't really think of too many possessions after that point that actually, like, made it to. Actually, I would say pretty much every made shot by the Wizards was a foul after the foul on Simmons. Every miss was, for the most part, because it's a lot harder to do it uh, during, like, the miss. Like, you know, you don't want to get a clear path foul. Um, So it's a little bit harder to do it off a missed bucket but pretty much every made shot they fouled on the uh the uh philadelphia inbounds and it just murdered the flow of the game i mean what was objectively a very interesting close and i mean it was it was interesting before that just the fact that a a one seed without one guy to start getting the fucking smoke i didn't enjoy watching that but that was i would say an objectively you know decent watch to see that but after the, the fucking fouling dude that shit was awful um so let's get to the media conversation. Who whose fault is it? Whose fault is this atrocity? Actually, let me get compliment a couple of Wizards people, and then I'll get to the sistership. Roy Hartimore looks like fucking Tim Duncan. Uh, inside outside game, splashing shots, getting off um, some pull up mid ranges, and then off the dribble mid ranges. Uh, reminiscent of what he was at uh, in Gonzaga, just the best big on the court in the minutes. That Daniel Gafford's off the court. He only played 26 minutes uh, this game around. I'm not sure why he was. Well, Robin Lopez was dominating the first half. I don't know if he got hurt or something like that. They had a multitude of injuries. Uh, Ra- Raul, Raul Nito uh, got hurt. Uh, I believe Bill got banged up. I think Westbrook had to go to the, the um, fucking locker room at one point. And it's almost said like Bertan, Bertans like towards ACL. I'm not sure about that, but he looked like he was pretty hurt. They had most of the injuries, I guess, maybe that. Looking at Lopez, we got 19 minutes. I feel like he's like pretty much on the court every possible minute, um, especially after Joel got hurt. I'm guessing he got hurt, too, going from 19 minutes, which, you know, obviously being like 24 in the first half. Um, I'm assuming he got hurt. So, yeah, Gaffer came in, looked like fucking, I don't even know what to compare him to, like, I mean, he was just this ridiculous rim runner, catching everything, making himself known down the low. He didn't get too many rebounds. I mean, four and 26 minutes, but five blocks. Uh, everybody was playing in the third quarter. What was the biggest thing was 
is just how he was fucking putting pressure in everybody's minds on on the, on the defensive uh the fucking nose as a defensive player um so many guys just seem like they never finished around an NBA center before like soft layups uh floaters but like the floaters you do like when you're like almost at the fucking rim uh again like confused in midair dunk attempts getting blocked I mean Tobias and Ben like it's part of why they got off the court for so long looked completely inept and everybody at a certain point was unable to get to the paint at all because of how timid they were about Gafford I mean he only got five blocks but it felt like he had like 25 uh in a stretch in the third quarter I mean, plus nine and 26 minutes. That was actually the starter high. Like, I don't know, everybody. <laughs> so, I mean, that's fucking insane to even think about. Um, let's see. Yeah, Gaffer was crazy. Hachimura, fucking, you know, two-way genius. Uh, Bertans was fantastic in the short time that he got on there before he tore his shit or whatever happened to him. Uh, he was bad on defense, but, I mean, if you can get three out of six from three from him, four, four from the stripe, that's pretty much what you can ask for. Bill was actually, like, pretty bad for the most part. But it seems like that at some point in that fourth quarter, uh, I think the whole defense just fucking, like, shook after B got hurt. And then when... Pretty much in that third quarter, I just think the defense just fucking, like, collapsed. Like, the, the ideal, the ideology about... Let's stick Simmons on Bill. Uh, Bill. I, I thought about, like, Bill fucking Dotrieve. But Bill, let's put... Danny or or Tyreek or Tyrese whoever on Westbrook and let's just live with it. I guess it's in part because they don't have Sim or MB to like be that help defender. And a lot of things you said because of that, but for whatever reason the defense just got a little severely worse against those two guys, especially Bill, who was just pretty much like in fucking cuffs in the first I'd say two and a half quarters or so. So that wasn't great, but he he did make some some you know good team plays down the stretch. Uh, Westbrook kind of had, had this I guess light bulb moment where you realize like if I don't shoot the ball and I just pass it to everybody else who's on, we can probably win this game. Like you can literally see it because I like the I would say going to about four minutes left in the fourth quarter, pretty much once the foul started happening in, in bunches. Westbrook was, like, doing his usual, like, sabotage shit. Taking open threes when he know he can't fucking hit a damn open three. Uh, Pull-up middies that, you know, he made one. But, like, for the most part, I think it was, like, two other misses. Getting ripped from behind. I, just his usual awful shit. I still thought that even with the fouls, he would still win because Westbrook was going to, like, be just as awful as Sims at the free throw line. And for a second, he was. But I think somebody got in his ear and was like, hey, fucking please stop. And he unfortunately stopped being Westbrook but you gotta give him salutations for 21 uh, rebounds 14 assists once he started playing the flow of the game and giving to better players um, they did well finished plus one plus or minus bad on defense as he usually is you know I mean that's just Westbrook like I said Lopez fantastic Ishmith was not that bad you know I mean one of five people were like oh you're pretty fucking bad not that bad I mean Better than it appears. Raul Nato for the for a good minute like the best guard on the roster. Which I mean may not be saying much when you see Bill 923, Westbrook 319. But for a while, Nito looked the best guard on the roster. And until he got hurt, uh, they also looked pretty good in that third quarter when leading the, the pace. So let's stop pussyfooting like uh 
Tobias Harris around the rim or Ben Simmons at the free throw line. Let's get to this shit. So I'm going to start with what, what I think is the most important thing to start with. Uh, Joel got 11 minutes, uh, went down on a very, uh, I, I think, we try, hold on, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll keep on talking, try to pull the video. But for the most part, like ignoring what actually like, brought him down, he just was not playing well. Uh, Open the game, he wasn't doing much. Um, and it was a situation to which where I felt like Simmons and Seth was kind of carrying him. So what Ben, what Joel does is going to the cup. Uh, he's initiated from the, the three-point. He catches the ball and like loses the drive, has space, so he goes. And then I think what people are mad about is that he kind of does... I think people view it as him doing his usual like kind of uh, uh, putting on a little bit for extra contact. But if you look at this shit, I mean... I can't do a full screen. Okay, I, I can do a full screen. To me, it looks like he's looking at the cup. He's kind of caught in midair. Uh, Lopez appears to get all ball. And then he's like... I, I just don't think he's looking to, to fall the right way. And I don't know if he's expected to land on like his legs or what. But instead, his, kinda, his legs kind of come out in midair. It's not forced out, but it just, just kind of come out from under him midair. And I don't, I don't think it's a flop. I don't think it's a flop that fucked him up. I just think he legitimately got kind of caught off balance by the block and he just not have his feet, you know, in a, a position to kind of catch himself. I mean, you can look at it. Like he's looking at the cup trying to finish. And I think the the Lopez block kind of just like took him mentally off guard and his feet got caught up from under him. But um, in, in any case, as far as on the court performance goes, he... Really didn't positively affect the game too much in any kind of way. Got his four free throws, had six rebounds. I mean, obviously, like, as the anchor of the defense, looked pretty solid, but the defense didn't look great, you know, with him on the court. It looked better when, compared to when it was off the court, but it didn't look like how it did um, in previous games. So I think he was just kind of low-energy situation, and I think he kind of adjusted some things. They did more doubles. And they were kind of doubling from different spots. Like in middies, they were doubling them, kind of leaving them alone on the three-point line. So they kind of just adjusting their... Like they adjusted, I think, their coverage pretty much game to game. And this look in particular kind of worked for them. But what can you do? He was kind of also settling forward the shots they were giving him. So kind of a a combination of things. Also the three-point line was very frigid for the uh, sisters. So it kind of helped them in that. Like he was beating them with passes. The right passes still didn't really matter that much. But yeah, I thought Joel did, you know, okay. I think he kind of had more value on, on... Well, he had value on offense too. As I said, like, he, they were open shooters out there. Just people didn't make the shots. I think he did okay. I mean, I, people were going to say, well, he, he wasn't. He was okay. Uh, Just going on to other guys. Green was not particularly good in my opinion. Especially... Well, actually, in the first half, he was, I would say, probably the, maybe the second best starter, maybe, maybe the second, maybe second or third best starter, i say, was was getting getting the shots up, making them, uh, playing pretty good defense, pretty much doing the role he had for the majority of the, you know, the series at this point, uh, sticking on Westbrook well, 
making his shots. Like I said, I just think the second half, you could tell that with the way the game's going, where they couldn't generate the three point looks at all, the point guard like players was not good, especially with them beat in. I mean, I didn't beat, but been in. The ball was not moving particularly well. They were able to kind of stick people a little bit more uh, on a defensive tip. The Wizards were. So it just was not an opportunity for Dane to get shots up. They needed shot creation and playmaking and came off the court for that. And then when he came in, I was kind of like, this is pretty much a whole, like, my whole deal. When him, Seth, and Ben came in around that f- mid-fourth mark, once we got it, like, pretty much back tied, virtually tied, I was thinking to myself, you're going to need a wholesale adjustment back to the way things were in the first half. You know, you don't have uh, MB for this to make sense. Because the defense was already shot. The defense was shot before Danny got taken out. And it was shot during and after for the most part. Now, Matt C did a decent job on Westbrook. Not too hard. Uh, Gaffer's kind of starting to come back, come alive at that point. Uh, Roy was getting his shots off because it wasn't pretty much a four matchup on the court at that point. Uh, my Scott was fucking terrible at both the five and the four. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, dude. I, I'm not saying to like be a dickhead about my Scott. He was just like not good. Um, but it, it, at that point, it's pretty much shot for shot. Right? That's that's the cuss what I'm trying to say. It's shot for shot. So I was thinking to myself like, is it really worth it? Like defensively speaking, I, I pretty much think you want to match Danny's minutes with Seth's because of you know Seth isn't the greatest defender of all time. But it's like, I think the, I think the close line they had was pretty much Seth, Danny, Tyrese, Cork, um, and Tobias, right? Ben, Ben, Seth, Danny. I think I think they took out they took out Cork for Tobias. I think that's that's what I'm, I'm messing up on. And then they had Matsy out there. The problem with that lineup is that you have guys who are were clearly def- like showing that they could not shoot from outside. Like Matt C was one of your better shooters, and then George Hill was one of your better shooters, and then Cork Moss is pretty much your best offensive player other than Matt C on the court. So it's like and George Hill. So it's like your three best players on offense. You take out one in George Hill directly was taken out for Danny. And then Ben and Seth was kind of staggered in a little bit later. But you also take the ball out of Maxie's hands for the most part in the remainder of the game. He didn't even really bring the ball to court too much. Uh, Seth was kind of like getting his... And Seth was, for the most part, decent after he came back in for that last stint. But so you still took the ball out of Maxie's hands. And then you took out Corkmaz... In essence, it felt like he, he played a little bit minutes after that fact, back like the kind of the four, but he was not given virtually any kind of you know good spots after, after that point. It's like that 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 wholesale change just killed the flow, and they were okay up until the free throw lines, but it's like you have three spacers, you can pretty much survive whoever you want at the four and five if you have those three all hit at the same time. I personally would have went if you had to have something to court, which I just think that Doc is sworn to this idea that you had to have your best quote unquote guys. 
I should say, quote unquote, best guys on the court in closing. I feel like he's kind of sworn to that ideology from like decades ago. And you kind of can't be too flexible with that. And, it, you know, to, to, I guess, give him a pass. That's kind of how shit works, you know, for some other teams, too. Like, I think most most teams accept what Frank Vogel did kind of with the Lakers and then kind of what Spolster did last year. He didn't really do that much this year. A lot of teams are beholden to, like, playing their quote-unquote best guys and just die with the ship, you know? And I don't like that that's what happened here because it was clear indication that Tobias, Tobias was mentally uh, just shot with with the that new revitalized Tobias that just gets his shots up or looks a pass or just like puts his head down and goes the the quick three second I'm gone Tobias I'm getting my shot up and all right and that's it it went back to the old habits of just post up inefficient play inefficient play get stuck waste 12 13 seconds off the clock and pass it out or off the dribble three pointers just all this shit that clearly like i we were hoping was taken out of his toolkit going into the season and for the most part was but reared his ugly head with these ugly possessions i know you ugly possessions you got to play sometimes ugly basketball but like he's not an initiator he's not a creator he's not a self-creator that's just not him he has these you know clutch points and blah 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 He's a player that, that has the table set up for him. That's just a bias Harris. He's not somebody that is an individual get it and go guy. He the table is set up for him more often than not. And it's set up because other guys usually are making the shots. Other guys are getting to him in good spots. That didn't happen. And what he was making out of that was not good. But even then, I feel you could have survived with him the four or five. Uh Gaffer makes that hard and put him at the five. But you just put Ben at the five. I I, I mean, I wouldn't be off the court at all. I wanted Ben off the court completely towards the end of that game. But the very least, if you're going to have him on there, have him at the five and it's a boundary of four spacers. I, I don't think that that fucking fishes the hack of Ben situation, but it makes better sense because it rides out the guys you have that are fucking good. You couldn't put Dwight back out there because he was one of four himself. So I guess that leaves you with Mike Scott at the five. I, I don't... I. <laughs> I, that would have been fucking bad, but I mean, I, honest to God, I think you put Mike Scott at the five, Tobias at the four, and the aforementioned stars of this game at the three, you probably win this game. I, I, honest to God, I think that. I mean, I just do. I think you do that, and you just go score for score, and you probably win this game because you have that much offensive talent on the court. But they thought differently, obviously. So getting around to the, the I think the big two perpetrators in this game. Ben Simmons and uh, Doc Rivers. We'll save Ben for last. Doc Rivers had some of the most mind-numbing adjustments I've ever seen to a situation. Outside of being at, at death's door, down 12 points or so in the third quarter and just saying, fuck it, we need creation. He recognized that a little bit too late, but at the same time, not too late. If that makes sense. Because the game was out of hand, but it was like 12 points. And it's like, any team that's just like not like mentally weak would have probably still kept arm's length at that point and, and won the game. But for whatever reason, uh, a journeyman or close to a journeyman 
that was basically like on a fucking loose thread with the previous regime, Furkan Korkmaz, a rookie, and 37-year-old George Hill just put the fear of God into the Wizards, and they were just completely shook trying to go score score with these guys. Their best offense once those three on the court was just let Mike Scott be open or foul to White Howard. Those two options worked well. And then once they took one of the two off, I forgot who got who came off first. I think it was Dwight. But once they took one of the two off, it kind of got a little bit better for the Wizards. I mean, not the Wizards, but the 70 Sisters. They were able to actually like break even, even, I think, get a lead at one point. But man, dude, Doc was so stupid for letting that roll out. And obviously towards the end, I mean, just... I just don't think I would go wholesale at that point. I mean, George only got, what, 22 minutes? And most of those were coming in that second half. Like, we probably, like, what, like, six in the first half? Play that fucking man out. He's a leading, he was a leading three-point shooter percentage-wise last season. He has a live dribble. He can, he took advantage of both Raul Nito and um, Ish Smith. And he was fucking good enough on defense. I don't understand. And he also was, a good facilitator. This was not a good facilitating game for Simmons, especially towards the back half. Simmons was doing what he does in general. But when those triple handoffs don't work for Simmons, bro, he does not have much value as a point guard. And they were not getting in transition because, you know, uh, they weren't m- missing shots very often. <laughs> That's one big reason. It's just like there's a lack of adjustment to the situation for Doc. I think Doc believes in so much that you, you you give these guys you, you don't change up on these guys and they pay off for you like you let these guys go through the situation whether it's good or bad and it pays off for you in the end that shit didn't work for him in the, fucking with the Clippers dude that lo- that unconditional loyalty shit was just fucking stupid it didn't make sense then with that team after they got fucking cooked by the Nuggets it didn't make sense today when Wizards were clearly changing up quite a few different things on both offense and defense and he just stuck to the same guns i mean the best point guard in the roster today was george hill it's just point blank period dude he outscored george he's outscored simmons with (laughs) with a multitude of less shots and in less minutes and it was even worse he put up the same amount of field goals as simmons with with three less minutes I don't understand. I don't understand if you look at the way the game is going. With the three-point shots being there, and the starters, the, the usual starters, the usual suspects not making them, and then these guys come in and they make them. They were open. They, again, they were open the entire game. It's just about making them. And then you like say, okay, well, fuck it. That works, so let's just go away from it. I... I mean, entirely, like, in my opinion, I, I know you want to fit the defense, but sometimes you got to just let the defense be ass. I, honestly, God, sometimes you got to just let it be ass. There's going to be games where your defense is just not good. And that, that should have just been the fucking ideology. Like, we got to outscore these motherfuckers. Instead of trying to say, okay, put our quote-unquote two best defenders that are available back on the court and then say, we got to short this up and then we can just win ugly. Fuck that shit, bro. Adjust to the fuck is it? Like, let's say you, let's say this game happens with the Nuggets, or not the Nuggets, but the Nets, and you're like killing them uh, on offense for an extended period of time. But you feel like, okay, KD and Kyrie might go back off, 
So let's just put the defense back in prematurely while offense is hitting. And let's just see what happens. If you can't, if you can't like rationalize the idea of going score for score, you're not gonna beat the Bucks or Nets anyway. Because with great offenses, you're gonna have to go score for score at periods of time. That's just gonna be a multitude of games. So like this isn't just a this this isn't just bad because it's bad right now. It's bad because it's gonna be bad if it's any kind of indictment on how he'll coach in a unfavorable Nets game or unfavorable Bucks game. Because we're going to win a series still. I mean, if Joel can go at all, they're going to win at some point. But this just was a fucking terrible game for Doc, dude. I mean, just clearly not reading the table correctly. For for like 50, 60% of the game, not reading the table. Not, not reading the table correctly. Ben fucking Simmons, dude. Let me get a let me get a break. Let me get a break. Let me get a break. How do I, how do I let me get a break? I'm not even gonna like really monologuing this too much longer, bro. Because I mean, at the end of the day, man, th- this ain't nothing new, right? Like, there's two camps when it comes to Benjamin Simmons. It's one camp that has the belief that this guy will never be an offensive threat whatsoever, and there's another that believes that there will be enough change in his skill set to make him to 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 warrant the amount of love that he gets just based off his defensive value which is there i mean outside this game i would say he's looked like one of the five best defenders easily in basketball outside of this game but the problem is when that defensive value shrinks as it did in this game and you have to depend on the offense what do you get and if you don't have him beat who you could make the argument sacrifices still to this day quite a bit just to work with him work with Ben Simmons um I mean listen let me put let me put you like this a lot of people want to say that this series and and their record together as starters show if these guys can work together and on some level that's true but the problem is that series that record alone is a misnomer to be honest with you because that record is taking the fact that virtually every playoff game they've had together has featured at least one more star that's like has to be like offensively fucking like great to supplant like kind of what Simmons adds. And the thing is, more often than not, like you're not gonna have three stars on in a playoff game unless they're like the like three of the six best ISO players who, when you need to get your own shot in the playoffs, as you typically do, you can kind of throw it to them, let them do a thing. Okay, Kyrie Harden and fucking, you know, uh, Durant. I mean, yeah, that's a little bit different. But outside of them, I mean, you can look at the Lakers, bro. The Lakers did need kind of like this group effort of like Rondo, KCP, uh, Mark Markeith Morris, I, I think is the one there. Markeith Morris. These guys all kind of came in and make these fucking shots and like make these crazy passes and, and so like basically at the combined value of a third star. That's a little bit different. Role players, you do kind of want to have them do something, you know. They kind of usually make a break a final series. But you usually don't have I feel like you don't have three stars come on in one in one series. Like you may have a couple of games where they kind of combine, but it just usually like it doesn't work like that. So you really want to have that second star be 
kind of like pretty close to that first star in value, offensive value. And a third star can kind of come on when he does. Like, you know, Kevin Love. Outside of having to go against the best team ever, you could have you could afford to have Kevin Love be, I'll give you one 20 point plus game every couple. You could afford Chris Bosch, you can afford to have Chris Bosch's game sacrifice to fit their offense or to fit their entire schematic. And when you need them, I guess like maybe Spurs, somebody like that, you know, not the Pacers, you can kind of afford for that. But when your second star is offensively, I can't use any of the words I want to use right now, putrid. And not even a creator from the perimeter, which is what you really, really need to play as a, a, a perimeter creator that can just kind of get his own shot and can get his own shot from anyone in the court. That's fucking bad. Even Simmons' last game. Like, oh, you fucking hyperbole. You forgot his what? Simmons' last game, which I think he had like 22, 23, something like that. There might have been one shot Simmons took outside of right under the fucking rim. It was putbacks, post-ups against like like Russell Westbrook, transition like layups and dunks and shit. It's, it, I mean, he. It's like it's like the shit that that Giannis gets like clowned for or clowned for in the past for only being able to do, and Giannis, I still say like any version of Giannis ever had more offensive game than Ben, but let's just you know speak to the 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 jazzed up version of Giannis that haters kind of had in the past couple of uh, postseasons. That's like Ben said, all he has, he all he has. It's just like dunk. If he's not as good as a dunk, he's not like, for whatever reason, he's only like one inch, maybe two inches shorter than Giannis. But for some reason, he doesn't have the same like God gift athleticism that Giannis does, especially like when you're talking about going up in the air. He, he doesn't have that, that quick twitch jumping ability that Giannis does or even like contemporary like young LeBron he doesn't have that same level of athleticism of just like get up in the air um it kind of works better for him like in the post like just strength wise but he doesn't get up he doesn't he doesn't jump like that so he can't really just you can't really throw to him and say hey go dunk um he's more of a two-handed dunker too for the like he had a crazy ass alley-oop but he's for the most part more of a two-hand dunker so kind of limits some of the things he can do with that and he doesn't have any kind of like touch around the room like he has that stupid ass fucking baby hook that i swear to god i think he takes it with his wrong hand still to this day he has that baby hook he doesn't have any kind of layup package and he doesn't really make shots when he's like a test like, he had a dunk he had a he had a dunk going to the rim a rim running dunk towards the end of the game and like fucking westbrook grabs him to like get him to the stripe as you would expect he doesn't make the fucking dunk. I don't... He's, like, legit had the ball over the fucking rim. And Whisper's very strong. But Simmons is, like, fucking 30 pounds on him, 40 pounds on him, something like that. And, like, five, six inches. And, like, doesn't make the dunk. And I think he went uh, one and two on, on that trip to the, the line, as he usually did on that part of the game. I'm just thinking to myself, like, this dude has no offensive skill set. The dribble hands off was fucked. He's not... He's not particularly... Like he's a very easy like roller to defend. Like, you just pretty much front him, and I mean he's played with some decent point guards or decent facilitators. I mean Seth Curry is a particularly decent rim, uh, not rimmer, uh, PNR guy. 
George Hill is great at you know most of the aspects of running a pick and roll. And Simmons like isn't a bad pick and roller, but he's just very easy. You front him, and there's very rarely any kind of like alley-oops over a guy that's small to him. Um, there's no like, because I mean he doesn't have the touch, so you can't like just bounce pass it to him and then like he forced a contact and you know tough finish bucket that doesn't really happen too often with Simmons. So it's like th- there's no spot on the single court that he's good at. Right, there's no spot that he's he's really good. He stands in the dunker spot, and he the best version of him will get those rebounds and kind of like he can his I think his best attribute when it comes to the dunker spots he can kind of like time when to go up pretty well. I think that's probably his best attribute. He can, he can really time when to go up and get a rebound. But I mean, he didn't. I mean, did he get like eight, twelve? Yeah, I mean, he's he's a good defensive rebounder. I'll, I'll definitely give him that. But, I mean, like I said, I mean, you just foul him. He's not particularly great at finishing. And then you foul him knowing if he goes to the line, I mean, it's, what was it? 5 of 11? So it was 5 of 11, which included, I believe, three straight one or two trips. Which kind of raised his average for, like, we was, was it one of... One of 12 coming this year, into this game? One of 12, one of 10, something like that. One of 12, one of 10. Kind of raised his average to double digits finally in the series and free throw shooting. And he's just, I, I think he he doesn't really, outside of dribble handoffs and just kind of like being the top of the key passer, he doesn't really play on the perimeter too much these days. But and it's in the sense of calling him a, a three, because I guess we'll call him a three. I don't know. I don't know what to call him. It really doesn't matter what he gets quote unquote positionally, but we'll call him a three for the sake of argument. I would say they'd probably He has to be if not the worst perimeter shooter at the stripe. I would say he's probably like one of the, the worst five five, I would say at least. I mean, you had you guys have got competition. Like you have Fulton had a broken J for a while and it kind of fucked him up. You had Lonzo who had a shot that just, even when he was like doing better at three-point line, just did not work from a free throw perspective. You have a lot of guys that aren't particularly great um, at that spot, but it's like, you have a lot more that are like at least decent at it, especially if you're talking point guards. There's not many, if you call, if you call him a point guard, there's, I can't think of any that are even close to how bad he is at the strike. I mean, Westbrook is what? Like a 70% shooter? Let me see. Okay. So Westbrook was a 65.6%. Uh, free throw shooter in the regular season. And that's pretty much like the gold standard for how bad a free throw shooter is going to be at the point guard spot. Now let's see let's see Benjamin Simmons real quick, who, as I said, has barely scraped double digits in the series. I think he's about, I think a 62% guy in the, in the uh, regular season. Let's see, let's see, let's see. The point, like, you can't even have, a, like, even Westbrook, like, I think Westbrook has shown most of the times when, especially back when we had Hacker. Everybody could do hack off, 
hack a a player. Um, he was he was a detriment. He was a, a massive detriment. So he, he was 0-9 before this game, and he went 5 of 11. So that goes to show you something, I think. Yeah, 61.3%. So the best version of him before the added pressure of playoffs, because most times I think I think the best players kind of tend to stay about where they're at, but the next tier of players kind of typically fall off of this stripe in the playoffs. He was not a great free throw shooter even then. And when you consider that he was a paint player, he only got five free throws, which I don't think is great for a, a, a guy that's essentially a big getting, what was it, 32.4 minutes a game. I don't think that's great, but... You know, maybe I'm wrong. I'll admit that I could be wrong about that. But, yeah, I mean, that's not good. I mean, to go 62% to... What's he in the playoffs? Like, he was... <laughs> I don't know why I asked that. He was a 0% free throw shooter in the playoffs this season. <laughs> Dude, it's so... Uh, you need... I'm, I'm going to end this here, man. I'm just going to end it on this. Because I think... I think Speaking future-wise, it's it's very hard to rationalize. I I know he's he still is a very solid facilitator. He still is a, a, a good rebounder, and he's still probably one of the you know six or seven best defenders. And um, in basketball, I, I trust me, dude. I get it. But it's, it's it's definitely important to just think about this for a second, bro. Think on to every title-winning team of the past 11 years. You can start with the Mavericks. The Mavericks had one alpha, and they had a bunch of guys who were all shooting the fucking lights of the building. And they won in, I think, six. And it took LeBron being absolutely fucking horrendous for that to happen. So that's a little bit of aberration, but again, it's a point worth mentioning just from what I'm trying to say here. 2011, you have a LeBron James who's a much better player in every facet of the game and uh, more clutch than he was prior to that, and I think maybe even after. Maybe not after, but at least prior to that. And you have Wade, who's obviously you know a, a clutch shot taker too. So free throw is not too much of a worry. They, they run it back. I think LeBron's even better. I think Wade took a little bit of a step back, but still a guy who likes in the clutch, you know. Then you have the Spurs who fucking have, like, I think, the best shooting clinic ever, like efficiency-wise. Um, you know, pretty, not much to worry about as far as free throws go. The next season, Golden State. Uh, Steph's was, like, like, I think the second or third best free throw shooter ever. And then Klay Thompson was pretty much, I think, an 80-plus guy his entire career. Pretty good. Uh, and you have Golden State again. Well, no, you have Cleveland, who has LeBron, who I think was a, a 70-ish percent shooter here. But the number two is Kyrie, who's fucking Kyrie Irving. Um, so, yeah, free throw is not too much of a worry in the number two option there. You have going, <laughs> you have the Golden State teams for the next two years. Uh, and their number two is Stephen Curry. By some ungodly reason, number two is Stephen fucking Curry for two seasons. So, again, number two after that, Kyle Lowry. Number two after that, Anthony Davis, who, for all of his 
you know, warts and, and bruises to his game. Motherfucker is a pretty good free throw shooter for as a big and just period. There's nobody who wins titles that has a particularly like bad top two player on the strike. Like, I'm talking awful. Like, I think LeBron at his worst is probably the worst at all those teams I just mentioned. But like he's still somebody that like I think for the most part kind of like gets around being a not good free throw shooter in the playoffs. Like he kind of makes it work. I don't he's LeBron fucking James. All right, though. I'm gonna compare LeBron James to Ben Simmons here. <laughs> but the point being, outside LeBron James, there's no one else who's even like close to that bad. Like there's no one who's even like in the 60s as a number two. So it's like, how the fuck? How the fuck do you go into the playoffs? How do you fucking you continue using Joel Embiid, who's maybe a top five offensive center ever, maybe like top ten at like bare minimum? How do you continue wasting years of him? Now you're committed to this core of Joel, Ben, and Tobias because of money you shelled out, and you have these all these complimentary guys now that appear to make up what should be an extended playoff core. How do you waste those years? with a number two who can't score in the playoffs who act who actively appears to be a significantly worse player for the most part the playoffs absolutely unplayable for the most part as the actual number one option or number one ball handling option at two years ago against Kawhi Leonard that's why I got pissed about Jimmy Butler Jimmy Butler's the only person who can defend who can dribble the ball against that team as the number one option there's you know other guys that could that were like not starters but talking about starters here um got hurt last year against Boston like tore his fucking kneecap whatever the fuck happened with that before before Boston I think he tore his shit I, I think it was before Boston tore his shit so not he doesn't have a great injury history himself and then I think it was 2017 his first season I think that was I don't remember. I don't remember what happened to Posters that much in, in 2017. I don't. I don't. That was that was the year where they stuck. Horford fucked up Embiid, and then Baines came and also fucked him Embiid. I think Tatum outplayed Simmons in that series. If I remember correctly, that was that was that was the um, the Simmons and Shooters year. Okay, I, I remember that a little bit, but I don't remember exactly what all went into that series. But I think it was. Was it four one? And that was the one where the confetti came out prematurely. I think that was the four one one. They kind of yeah yeah yeah. That's what that was. Simmons just isn't doesn't have the makings of a good postseason performer to this point in his career. And you, you're you're now four years committed to that this this dream that could work out. And Maury's a very like quick pull the trigger type of guy. If it can satisfy his his number one option. I don't think Joel Joel hasn't like publicly given any reason to think that he's frustrated with Ben. And from anything we've seen inside the locker room, they've always like issued that there's been any kind of friction from Jump Street. Like they've never like wavered on that ideology. So it's like I don't know if Embiid will be the one like make that like initiate that move, but could more. Maury basically, I mean, Maury legitimately like tried to trade Ben multiple multiple times, but for better players. Like he was the centerpiece to make the money work and actually make those trades feasible multitudes of times. So that's a little bit different than just saying we don't want Ben anymore on the team. It's just we'd want this guy instead of Ben. 
I could see if this goes like in an ugly way, like you have Joel out for three games and then it's three three going into game seven and Simmons stinks it up two more games. Scott Bruce is gonna keep on doing that hacking shit. It's, it's, he's the fucking scum of the earth is gonna keep on doing this shit. I I could see I could see it. That's all I'm gonna say. I could see a discussion being made between Maury, Doc, who seems to be a fan of Ben based on everything I've seen and heard. I, I just I think it I think I think Maury would do it even if Doc didn't like it. That's how much I believe that Maury does not like the idea of what Ben brings to the table. Maybe he maybe he likes Ben. But I don't think he likes the idea of what Ben brings to the table and what Ben doesn't bring to the table specifically. And I who could who like let's be honest to God. If the Ben experiment like got closed down at this moment. Not at this moment, but after this season, like I say, he loses series by some ungodly miracle, and it, it it happens that way. Who could really be that mad? Okay, you got a DPOY, and that's a lot of value in that. You have a guy who's still like twenty four, I think twenty three, something like that. Um, actually, he should be like probably like twenty three, close to twenty two, I would think, because he came out as an 18, 19 year old. But the point being, if you could say get back. Uh, you, you got to get back a, a, a wing player, obviously off, off, off rip. I'm trying to, I'm trying. You got, you need somebody that's disgruntled as fuck that will be willing to just kind of leave their team, particularly young. I, I don't, I don't know what type of team wants a Ben Simmons right now. Like, I know somebody will, will answer, but I, let's say you get De'Aaron Fox. Um, let, let's say De'Aaron Fox, like, for some reason, forced his way out. De'Aaron Fox, I think Bogdanovich is gone, right? So you can't get that. Actually, let's let's say this. Let's say you get, um, Donovan Mitchell and... I, I don't know who else you could get in that. I don't... They, they have a pretty tight core. I don't, I don't, I don't try to think who else the fuck you get out of there. Donovan Mitchell, who else is he? Gorge Niang and, and like and like fucking one first rounder or two first rounders, something like that. Just, just to make it work. I, I I think that like that wouldn't be bad, right? I mean, you're getting a guy, they basically have pretty much the same. I would say Donovan Mitchell is a little bit healthier of a guy. You have a, a better postseason player, and you have a guy who's a better shot creator that can sometimes be sometimes showing the ability to be a point guard, especially before Conley game. So you don't have a great point guard, but you have an elite ISO player, and then a a guy who raises his ceiling in the postseason. I'm and then you get I, I don't I don't I don't you think you need somebody better than the game, but I I really don't know who else you really could get. Like there's nobody else that uh, the main guys they have are like Clarkson, Inglis, Ingles, um you can't get them, obviously. I don't know what you get. Trey Lyles? I don't know. But that that being a centerpiece, I, I think you would take it. I mean, if you could get somebody that's also a top 20, 25 player and a pick, you should definitely take it. If you can get a pick without giving up a pick, with the next two drafts the way they are, and you can get it from a bad team, I, I would say take it. I, I don't I don't want to like just project and just, like, pantomime of who you could get. I, I, you can avoid, like, because they don't, what they don't need is a like massive trove of like solid, the decent players, and then like they give up like Simmons, and then like 
Danny Green or some shit like that, right? To get that young trove like good players. I don't think Danny Green's not untouchable by any means. I just don't think you need you have a you have a pretty good like one to nine right now. If you need another center, absolutely. That's different than that brings something different than Dwight um does just as a third option. But you have a pretty good one to eight to one to nine right now. And you have Isaiah Joe who could be decent one day. And you have um the other cat, um, the other dude from Arkansas that's pretty solid. And Paul Reed, who's who's I don't know why he didn't get minutes, but whatever. You just really need another star. You need a star for a star. That's really the centerpiece. So you don't need like a Miami that gives you like Harrow and like I don't think Miami would do this because they need shooting, but like you don't need like Harrow and fucking Trevor Reza and then like Dwayne Deadman. You don't need that. That's not gonna raise your ceiling very much. That also wouldn't make money wise much sense, but I don't know. I'm gonna leave it on that, dude. I, I I'm really perturbed at this moment. I've fifty fucking mentions about of, of shooting on this fucking game, shooting being a WWE term or wrestling term, onto like just doing a pretty much a, a extended promo on, you know, I, I don't really necessarily even a promo, more so just like actual like uh spite you have towards a topic in the entertainment industry. This is an extended shoot on just this game. Hope you enjoy. Um, I'll try to make it shorter next time, I guess. But fuck it. This was a terrible game.